0: Tools are for you to use. these tools are for you to use. welcome to this is your afterlife conversations with artists and activists about death and life my name is Dave Marr I am the host of the podcast I was in a coma for a month nine years ago I woke up. I still have questions. I'm asking them of folks like my guest, Kate Terry. Kate is the co-host of two podcasts, a Buffy rewatch podcast called Fangs for the Memories and a cannibalism podcast called Tender Subject, which is the one that let me know about her work. She's also a visual artist. She does work in a variety of mediums. We talk about that in the episode. And I just, it may sound weird, but I I gotta recommend this fucking cannibalism podcast. Tender Subject. It's, if you're interested in left of center approaches to pop culture and admitting the darker side of our, you know, psychology. I mean, for me, that, that manifests just as like, I think people should complain more or be less weird about complaining. But in in tender subject, it's cannibalism. And I think there's a, a through line there that we explore in this conversation. And I'm excited for you to hear it. I'm excited to be back in regular interview mode. You can also support the show at patreon.com/slash Dave Marr. Become an afterhead for five bucks. You can just follow the page if you want for a little while, get a sense of it. And for 15 bucks, you become a pigeon level patron. Those people get thanked every episode. They are Katie Llewellyn, Fred Fidawa, Debo, Shuba Singh, Barry Fontenot, and G. So thank you to them. Join them. You'll hear after shows, full length versions of these conversations, and more. And now I would just like to remind you. I'm still looking for work. You can email me. This is Dave Marr, at gmail.com. If you got a creative project you want some consulting on, if you want some podcast editing or anything along those lines, I am more than happy to help. And if you enjoy this show, I really love reading the reviews in the Apple Podcasts app. So if you would like to leave a review, I would love to see it. And that's all. And enjoy my conversation with Kate Terry. I grab your whip and take it back to When I'm in I Kate like paint your hell. hell. A custom hell designed for you. Oh,
1: shit. Um Okay, so there's like two things I think that are the most hellish to me. Like today at work I forgot my headphones and I thought I was going to die. Um <laughs> So it's like uh yeah, there's I don't I don't get to ever um sneak away. Like there's no escape route. I'm always kind of like in the middle of a meeting with a lot of office jargon. Okay. And like people are pitching stupid like tech ideas to me or something like that. Like I feel like that's <laughs> Okay. And I can't leave. I can't like tune out. Um yeah, that's that's a big one for me because I love to escape. I'm like a big escape person. Like I love to like leave a room <laughs>
0: for a while. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. <laughs> Just like a sensory overload thing. Or for me, I think of it as a bit of a like distraction addiction in the pure sort of addiction sense where it's like, I, I told you it's been two months Since I've recorded an episode like this of the podcast, it was supposed to be one month, but Mm -hmm. I went into a distraction zone after doing this live (laughs) show where I was like, instead of processing the feelings I have of emptiness after putting out this big thing, I'm just going to try to see if I can watch every episode of Below Deck, which has 20 seasons or something (laughs) like that, you know? But it sounds like it's maybe not distraction for you. It's some sort of... Reprieve.
1: Yeah, it's like a flight you know, the like flight fight or flight kind of thing. Like I yeah, think for yeah. me it's flight. Flight is super important. Um, the ability to leave something, even if it's just like to put my headphones on, it's just like I just have to be able to escape situations and tune out at some point. Um Okay. Yeah, like my job My day job is, um, kind of odd. It's, I don't, I don't have like an email job. It's a, um, I do like display and installation all day. So I'm on a ladder, I'm painting, I'm building, um, very cool. Like good, good stuff for me. Good work for me. Um, I've, I freelance, so I don't have to go to meetings because I cannot handle a meeting to Mm -hmm. save my life um (laughs) and the other thing about this job is it's a job that I can like put headphones on and listen to a podcast or put music on and like zone out for large periods of time and that's like super important for my mental health I think um is the ability to do that like I don't get to work from home so that's like my version of working from home I think Right. Um, I like being around people, things. oh yeah, okay, so the other one, and this is like my major these are my my most prevalent nightmares um or okay. that I do something very, very wrong at work or in just some sort of job or in art or like in the on a podcast or something, and everyone is so pissed off at me and i'm trying to like figure out my way back in and i'm like apologizing and people are just like absolutely not.
0: Oof. Yeah. So, has yeah. that happened to you for real anytime or is this just a nightmare?
1: It's mostly a nightmare. I've had okay. a few hellish workplace experiences. Um yeah. in a like a pretty like high stress, like fashion industry sort of thing where mm, okay. people are very mean and, and by like by design, like it's part of the culture, right? right you know, yeah. um, and I like do not thrive in that apparently. Um, and it definitely has scarred me to a certain extent, but like, no, I don't think this has ever happened to me for real, but I, have decided it's something that's going to happen to me all the
0: time in my dreams. (laughs) Yes, I find that very (laughs) relatable. Yes. I had a dream the other night, you're reminding me, where I was in some like social setting and someone said that me as a performer, they were like, not as a person, but your performance style, you really remind me of Tucker Carlson. (laughs) And I was like, horrified by this and so i just went around this party telling people like can you believe they said this and and like clearly fishing for people to validate me and be like oh no that's wild like don't worry about that there's no way but for whatever reason every person i talked to was like hey man i know how it sounds but that's actually like pretty spot on and I just could not (laughs) escape this feeling of like no I'm like investigating my own beliefs like wait am I who am I you know it was like a different version of this being put on the spot yeah but it's telling that both of these come at work
1: I know right well okay so
0: I mean work is hell
1: work is hell um and it's funny because I have a pretty okay job now but um, I, when I left my full time job to go to grad school, um, after I still, I worked through grad school. And then when I was done, I actually like went back to the place where I worked before mm. as a freelancer. So, like, with different working conditions, um, and being a freelancer is also hell for many, many other reasons. It sucks. But I I make probably like half what I used to make and I don't have any, I don't really have work aspirations anymore, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not mm-hmm. climbing a ladder. There's nothing like really for me to improve on except like personal skill. Mm-hmm. Um, And I leave work at five or five thirty, and it's it. That's it. I'm not thinking about it. No one contacts me over the weekend, and so like I have definitely set up my life to exist in a way that um, works best for me and my mental health, which is great. And it's yeah. weird that I still have these dreams about work that like have nothing to do with my actual work life you know there it's like almost a reminder like don't start thinking you want to climb a ladder again you don't want to do it um
0: it's good they're that present though
1: maybe yeah maybe that maybe that's what they're telling me i guess i never really thought of it that way but um yeah i just am really happy not having work aspirations yeah <laughs> and like, I have personal, you know, working. Totally. Like, I have a, you know, I'm an artist. I have bodies of work that I'm working on. I have two podcasts that I really enjoy working on yeah. and I love doing the research for them. And there are things that I would absolutely not be able to do if I worked at that place for full time because my managers are fucking miserable all the time mm. and work over the weekend and whatever. And like, it's a weird thing that I've had to There's some there are some moments where I'm like, man, they really respect me and love me so much here, and then they mm-hmm. ask me to like sweep. And mm-hmm. I have this moment where I'm like, <sighs> <sighs> but also there's nothing wrong with sweep. Like sweeping's no, good, yeah. wor- you know, like fine
0: work. There's much worse work than sweeping.
1: Yeah, and it's just like we I've had to think a lot about like how people think about certain kinds of work and like how we value certain kinds of work and devalue other kinds of work. And for sure, like labor is devalued. Mm -hmm. Anyone who's like dirty or has paint on them or like I wear like um, I wear coveralls to work every day and I love it because I can get as dirty as I want. Yeah. And it's great. But it's a different... I'm definitely looked at differently at my job than like people who wear heels.
0: What do you hope happens when you die?
1: Ooh. Okay. So... I've got... Yeah, I've got two things now. So I on the cannibalism front <laughs> it, it. i it, it's not as it's not as gruesome as you think it's going to be but i think it would be really funny or fun if i was like buried in a there're these like mushroom containment yes, things yes, yes. and i would like one of those okay okay and i want people to have like a meal of me at some if that's i don't know if that's legal but, like... Of the, of the mushrooms? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know but how I mean, that works. I won't I'm, tell anybody. Okay, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, I think that would be really cool if everyone had, like, a really nice, like, you know, pasta meal with mushrooms and, like, wine and whatever. You know, just, like, a lovely yeah. meal thinking about me. And then... So that's, like, I guess, like, plans for my... Um for people thinking about for my body. Yeah. And then my soul I honestly have no idea. I don't uh-huh. think anything will happen. I think that's it. I think it's just like you're done. But I would be sure. really psyched if it that wasn't true too. Like Yeah. Do
0: you have preferences?
1: Um, I think it would be fun if I did something else. Like, I would love to become just, like, part of, like, just, like, I don't know, like, the atmosphere. Just, like, be a bunch of...
0: your Kate consciousness?
1: Um, I wonder if it would be something where you would have Kate consciousness briefly, and then you would just sort of, like, dissipate into, like, a collective consciousness. That'd
0: be Mm. cool. Okay. Yeah. So... The loss of individual consciousness does not freak you out?
1: No, I don't think so. I think it would be pretty cool actually. Like, I got If you in... were
0: aware of it happening.
1: Yeah, as, like as you were dying, if like the this moment kind of like where where you realize that like okay, Kate is going to like evaporate but join this like big you know sort of like
0: field of
1: yeah yeah that would be really rad um i don't think that's what's going to happen but if it did i would be very happy
0: yeah yeah is is now the time to talk about the diabetes thoughts sure that you said you were like stewing on to before we kind of really got into it
1: yeah um I mean, I've definitely
0: always been like very
1: conscious of death being uh-huh. like, I think, you know, uh, when I was, so when I got diabe- diagnosed with diabetes when I was 12 and I went into the hospital for a week while they like trained me to mm-hmm. kind of like relearn everything about my life.
0: Did you go into d k a like did you have to go to the hospital i
1: didn't um okay. i don't i had my i think my sugars were at like four hundred sure. um so it wasn't like super bad, but it wasn't super good <laughs> so right. um and like clear you know once it's at when it's at four hundred it's like pretty clear what's going on um yeah so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So they were like, okay, you have to go to the hospital right away. And like, I was mainly there just for training, um, which is a wild thing to think about. Because now I'm like, would they let someone just like hang out at the hospital and learn how to be a diabetic for a week?
0: I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's like the way it sounds idyllic. It's like, is this the way it works? Is this the way it, it did work? shouldn't it work like this it
1: should it was actually kind of nice i didn't mind it sure. um yeah. i also got to miss the lap like one of it was like the last week-ish of school so i didn't mm. take any finals that year
0: wait so you're okay so it was like june then. yeah okay are we the same age i'm 39
1: no, I'm older. I'm 45.
0: Okay, damn. Yeah. I thought for a second we had maybe found out because I also- That would be
1: amazing.
0: When I was 12 in June. Yeah. So just six years later. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. You know, because that would have been a pretty cosmic. What's weird is the other- Is he the only the only other type 1 diabetic I've had on the show? Uh-huh. Matt Sage, who's become a buddy- is the is the other person who mentioned the mushroom suit.
1: Whoa! That's So crazy. this is maybe
0: a thing that I need to... Maybe I need to... Like, this is a sign that I need to join the cult of type 1 diabetics who right. want to be buried in the mushroom suit.
1: Well, and, like, thinking about joining a collective sort of, like, unconscious is very, like, mushroom thinking, too. Yeah, yeah, totally, You know, that will totally. all be part of the, like, mycelium... Um, network yeah. or whatever. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay, so you get diagnosed. Okay. And then does it feel like the awareness of death switch flips on then? Or was yeah. it before then?
1: I, okay. I think that's when it switches on. I was a pretty um, – I was a really healthy kid. And not that much was I, – I didn't get sick very often. Um, I was an anxious kid, but, like, otherwise I was very healthy. And yeah. suddenly – it's like, it was also, I think, at a time like I spent a lot of time with my grandparents, and I know they were always trying to help, but like, you know, they never really learned what you're supposed to eat and what you're not supposed to eat. And they would mm. always be like, Can you eat this? And it would be like a piece of chicken, you know, just like things okay. that had nothing to do with anything. And it was, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was ex- fine. Yeah. Extremely alarming like all the time just like people I don't like to be like doted on and I didn't like it even then and so like having a lot of people make exceptions for you like in family situations or friend situations was always really like embarrassing to me yeah so I think just thinking about that all the time where like people are kind of like are you okay um, also, I don't know if, like this affected you to the same level it affected me because I'm older. but, like steel Magnolias,
0: dude, I had the <laughs> meaning to go back <laughs> to Steel Magnolias. Maybe that's what because very occasionally, for my patreon for this show, mm-hmm. I'll do like afterlife movie club episodes, just yeah, it could be any movie essentially because it's any movie that really deals with death. So it's like that's everything. but. Maybe maybe I'll have you come on and we'll do a Steel Magnolias rewatch oh yes. episode. Cuz I ha- it's it's been I think I saw it all the way through once. At the time I thought of it as like a girls movie or something, mm-hmm. you know. And and didn't connect with it as much and have been thinking recently about like maybe I need a a Steel Magnolias rewatch.
1: Yeah. I think that's like people for a really long time that was like Everyone's like diabetic touchstone. You know? Yeah, they were yes. like, "Oh, this is like Julia Roberts has this like extremely like um, wild, like almost like she's having a seizure,
0: yeah. low blood sugar yeah, 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 yeah.
1: moment in, in the the in salon." The hair salon right? yeah, 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 yeah. And I always thought it was really weird that that's not how my low blood sugar ever appeared. And mm-hmm, I was like, mm-hmm. "Is it going to be like that at one point?" You know, right. and then she has a kid, and like the whole thing is about like she has a child and was told not to have a child, and then her kidneys failed.
0: Oh, God, I didn't even remember those parts.
1: Yeah, it's so yeah. bleak. And like people would even say, you know, it's like, oh, you're diabetic. Have you seen Steel <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: like, you know what it go is? Go to hell. <laughs> maybe this is a micro generational thing. Maybe or maybe maybe this was another touchstone for you. The touchstone I got was Babysitters Club.
1: Oh, that I I have that too. Yeah, I have that okay, too with, okay, Was it Stacy? Okay.
0: Stacy, I think, maybe. I think mean, yeah. it was Stacy. Which okay, speaking of representations of low blood sugar, Stacy in the new like Netflix uh-huh. version of it? is the most accurate portrayal of a low that I've ever seen.
1: Oh, cool.
0: She's like at the kitchen. There's like some juice in front of it, the kitchen, like Island, you know, they're all like rich. Yeah. She's got this uh, glass of juice in front of her. And she's just kind of like flush and staring off into space. Yeah, And I was like, yo, oh my God, this is like, the, I, the, I think the only time I've felt the, what would it be the like representation matters version of gender euphoria (laughs) of like, of like, Oh, I see my, like that, that's it. You know? Um, yeah. So, but yeah, it certainly
1: isn't, wasn't like having a seizure like that never. And that scared the shit out of me. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll tell you the other very strange story that was like family lore that scared the shit out of me almost my entire life. Um, my so there's no one else in the family who has diabetes except mm-hmm. for my like second cousin who sure. died from what I thought was diabetes complications um, and found out like two years ago was from AIDS. And no, oh my because I come from like an Irish Catholic family where no one wanted to talk about it.
0: Yeah. We
1: were told that he died from diabetes complications. And so that was like always just this like, it was like time I thought about him or like, I would think about, I would think about my grandmother telling me about it. It would just be this little like, Hey, you're going to die.
0: <laughs> you know, and he died young.
1: He did. Yeah.
0: Right. So that's where it get the fear of God gets put in your head absolutely related to that yeah
1: and my mom was like my mom i think when she found out was like you know that scared my daughter like so much
0: really so recently she said yeah it
1: was like two years ago someone told some like like his sister finally told my mom because my mom was like oh yeah and you you know you're your brother died from diabetes and she was like right he did not die from diabetes complications Whoa. yeah
0: wow man that yeah that is wild yeah so and like this just is, scared
1: the shit out of me for like decades
0: so this is the connection to death for you is seeing seeing the representation of Julia Roberts in Seal Magnolias mm-hmm. and hearing such a closely related you know someone who shares your blood had this happen to them it wasn't a general like if you don't keep your blood sugar normal you could have to have dialysis you could lose limbs it, it wasn't that it was like th- these made it visceral it sounds like
1: yeah i think so i think i mean the other stuff exists too but yeah. um but this is like the most visceral um The other thing that, like, is extremely... It's almost, like, funny to me at this point because I don't have very few... I have very few phobias, like, true phobias, but Mm -hmm. I have an extreme phobia of anything to do with, like, kidney operations or kidney transplants. Whoa. Um, Every once in a while, there'll be, like, an episode of, like, a police procedural that has mm-hmm. to do with like, you know, someone waking up in a bath of ice. Yes, and it is yes. and it it's so visceral to me that I feel queasy. And like it takes a lot to make me queasy, but like kidney stuff just
0: it's a lot. And it's clearly a mental thing because it's not like back surgery. No. It sounds like. No. Right. So it's just the knowledge that right something with do you have that with dialysis as well
1: yeah, yeah 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 and i like in grad school i made a bunch of um like little kidney pillows and stuff cuz i was oh. like trying to work on it and even yeah. like as i was making it i was like I'm, my skin is crawling <laughs> ah,
0: so it didn't help you didn't like get the exposure therapy didn't work
1: it kind of did and like i still work on it um Because I actually like the shape of a kidney. Sure, like it's a nice shape for art making too. Like it's in terms of cannibalism,
0: it seems to be one of the preferred. It's true. It's
1: true. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I do try to like. I think with horror and art and like the cannibalism podcast, I definitely try and face things that like scare the crap out of me. Yeah. Um, But that's like the number one. Like I will feel it in my body when I start getting really nervous about um, organ transplant stuff, like I'll be like, oh my Mm. God, I think my kidneys hurt. And like, obviously they don't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: Yeah. 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 Wow. That is. Yeah. So, okay. So you get the fear of death. Does it change your temperament? Does it change anything to do with how you, face your diabetes in those moments like what changes
1: um i think i like i definitely went through an intense teenage nihilism phase which i feel very lucky that i like got through without being in the hospital yeah. because i definitely did not take care of myself um i like didn't test my blood sugar very often And I was definitely like, you know, in college drinking too much and drinking, even like drinking too much alcohol, but also like drinking too much soda, you know, just like not taking care of myself, like eating candy corn, you know, it's like Mm -hmm. you have, you have those things around for low blood sugar and then you're like, I'll just eat them now too, you know, and like stuff that makes me, um you know, makes me kind of like cringe now. Not, not with like, Oh, youth misspent, but like, wow, how did I not die? Um, but yeah, it was was just like deep, I think deep nihilism.
0: Yeah. Because yo, this is fucking, this (laughs) is it. Okay. Because so tell me if I'm making connections to, to, uh, you know, if I'm being too clever yeah, with yeah. this, but like you get to that state by pressing this down, by hiding it, by mm-hmm. not wanting to be open with it, which is the way to connect to horror, cannibalism, whatever is like the opposite of that. Yeah. So then of course the embracing of this dark thing would allow, would, would, allow you to embrace dark things in other areas right yeah. or is that the wrong no
1: no right? that's like i mean i think that's true like when i started grad school um i was making kind of like precious like pretty work mm. and i had a bunch of professors be like you need to make some real ugly stuff Like, you need to really work on making some stuff that, like, kind of grosses you out and makes you feel really uncomfortable. And I started making that, and it was like everything changed. Like, I just, I was like, oh, this is what I'm really here for. Like, this is what I'm, this is what I'm, like, I have been pushing down. And like all this shit is gonna come out now. And I made some like
0: naturally floated to the top of like, what am I uncomfortable with? Diabetes is one of the first things your brain hits on. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like,
1: well, if you're uncomfortable with diabetes, you're uncomfortable with your body Mm -hmm. and all these other things that you think are kind of gross but also intriguing. And like, what if instead of yeah, instead of, like, tamping it down and pretending it's not there, what if you just, like, went full-on into it?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And, like, I, like you said, like, ironically, yeah, it's, like, the nihilism was before. And, like, I'm not very... Ni- I, I don't have a lot of nihilism anymore, but, like, people yeah. might think, like, you know, if you, you're, like, oh, weird, goth, artsy, you yeah. know, cannibal freaks... I bet they're, like, real gross and depraved. And it's like, sure, but also, (laughs) I'm really nice. Yeah, actually,
0: now they're (laughs) drinking smoothies and not (laughs) pounding candy corn by the fistful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, we've been kind of, like, circling around, and maybe you've already answered this question, but you know my awareness of the social media stuff comes from this coma experience yeah. that i had and yeah where i was in a coma for a month and woke up to see that everyone had eulogized me
1: jesus <laughs>
0: but but you know i th- wh- the question i'm about to ask you is what's your coma And I don't mean it literally. I just mean any sort of event. And it can be really minuscule where Mm -hmm. before you felt like one version of yourself and after it felt like something either had been added or taken away and you were new in some way. And we've talked about being diagnosed with diabetes. Mm -hmm. We've talked about grad school. Maybe it's a return to one of those things or maybe it's something entirely different. But what is one coma? that you've had.
1: I think it's probably making, um, really ugly art in grad school and like ugly, just being like, not necessarily work, always work that I wanted to show or work that I felt that felt finished or anything like that. But just work that was like, kind of a mess and kind of, um like a real deep like outpouring of emotion and feelings and um chaos you know like i did a lot of work um when where i was actually like using my own blood and like you know some of that's like a little like uh like grad school cliche you know where you're like yeah i'm gonna like you know pee all over all my work or what? i don't yeah. know Just, i'm the new maple thorpe yeah yeah like you're pushing things to the furthest extreme but like i honestly think that stuff is really important even if it's like not the stuff that you show at the end mm-hmm. i think you have to like fully go there and like some of it's kind of cringe and it's okay um totally and like we spend way too much time being worried about like this sort of like cool ironic distance in a lot of art that like is pretty dumb and i do think it's really important for people to like get real deep into their worst stuff in
0: okay but isn't that i feel like a lot of the worst stuff comes actually with some ironic distance
1: Maybe I don't know. I mean, I felt really there was okay. So I'll give you this was like I think the thing that I made that I was like, okay, I've crossed over into something where I feel like I'm feeling like interested. Amazing. Okay, so I we did a project in grad school um, that they do every year called the Five Obstructions.
0: Have yeah, you done this? I have done it. But my partner is obsessed with the five. Oh, cool.
1: Okay. Yeah. So there's a you know, so it's a Lars von Trier documentary where he and and I forget the older director, right. but yeah. it's like his, one of his like mentor directors, um, you know, are sort of challenging each other to re envision a f- film that the older director had made. And yes. they keep giving each other obstructions to it, where it's like, okay, you have to remake this film, but it has to be all animated, or like you have to set it in India, or like you know, just crazy mm-hmm. things like that. So we do it in grad school. Um, we did it every year, and then I actually was a adjunct, and also, and then did it myself as an adjunct, like after, and it was really fun to do it from the other uh, direction yeah. as well. But so my um set of obstructions was that i had to make a sculpture with clay not something i've ever worked with before um i couldn't use my hands and it had to look unfinished those mm-hmm. were my that was my project
0: okay so and these were all three in one it wasn't yeah. like each mm-hmm. one at a time okay
1: so, I went to the clay studio and got like a bunch of slabs and brought yeah. them back to my studio and I was like, I don't I don't know what to do. And so, I was like, okay, I've got it. So, I I shared a studio with another person and I asked them to leave for a while cuz I was like, okay, I'm I'm going to do the thing. I'm going to get naked. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm going to do amazing. the grad school thing. Amazing. Um and uh so I was like I'm going to take my clothes off and so I had three slabs and one of them I like sat down on really hard. One of them I like kind of like humped. <laughs> which was okay. really interesting because my pump um <gasps> like I took yeah. off my pump but like my pump
0: the infusion site
1: set like site yeah. showed in it which was cool yeah um, and then the other one I like took bites out of,
0: whoa, okay,
1: and that was the work I like i afterwards I was completely covered in like slip and clay, and luckily, I belonged to a gym that was right around the corner, so I like put my <laughs> okay. clothes back on and like very quickly took a shower, came back, yeah, and the I showed it as like three pieces like on the floor, and they kind of looked disgusting. But also yeah. like interesting and yeah. and cool and like I had done something that I just like didn't think I would do and I felt like I had to like push myself past that thing where you're like oh this is just like you know bullshit like mm-hmm, performance mm-hmm. art stuff that like every right. you know everyone does and it's like yeah that's probably true but like also just do it. Like, yeah, see how yeah, you yeah, feel, yeah. just see how you feel. do it. It's like embodied work. You have to like get into it. you know, I
0: think about that with like my I call it like acting class, where if you are not down and you walk into an acting class mm-hmm. and everyone's just like pretending to be animals, very easy to just be like, "This is fucking stupid. why? oh my God, what yeah, the hell are they doing? And it's like, yes. If what you want to do is stand outside and not participate in class, you are 100% correct. Everything these people are doing is pointless, is absurd, whatever. Mm -hmm. But for the class to work, we all have to just, like, pretend for one second, you know? Like, be absurd and be in the class together. Um, Yeah, so I totally get that.
1: Yeah, it's so important. And, like, I feel like there are so many opportunities for us to be, like, Ironic assholes and not yes. a lot for us to be absurd pretending to be animals.
0: Yes, totally, totally. It, 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 but I'm trying to think, though, about like what other versions of like the pee on it thing feels a little it feels <laughs> like that feels like ironic detachment. A little I
1: bit guess so. Like, I guess. Reason. Yeah. If you're just when like When it's a sitting- move
0: that you're taking from someone else it's, like, that feels a little, like, okay, but this this cringeworthy embarrassment isn't, like, it's not coming directly from you. It's, like, mediated through your influence or something like No,
1: that. I understand that. I think there are definitely things that, like, it's really hard also to, like, figure out where it came from. Like, is this yeah, irony right. or is it not? And actually, I was just reading um, a book... And there was like a quote from um, Eve Kosofsky Sedgwick about like different kinds of media readings. And so like, like, say you watch a really bad, like so good it's or so bad it's good kind of movie. Mm-hmm. Like um, mm-hmm. we were talking about Blood Feast, which is like a splatter B movie. Okay. Um, there's like the para, oh God, it's like the para cinema Cinematic reading, which is like the ironic. Oh, this is really bad, but like I'm having a great time and like I'm celebrating it because it's really bad, but like it's also very like cool. Yeah, it's like cool distance, but then Mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. the the Eve Kosofsky reading is like reparative, where you're like it's like additive, accretive, like oh. There are all of these things that are, like, in the movie that, like, maybe weren't intended to be in the movie, but, like, you can take that and read it and take it in a different direction. And then you're, like, you're watching the movie in contemporary time, so, like, you're thinking about all these other things. Like, you're Mm -hmm. comparing this movie to, like, another movie that maybe has interesting ideas or like maybe you're just thinking about like the blood spatter and what color the spatter is and like why it's that color or splatter not spatter um but it works i I guess spatter works um but yeah i don't know i was thinking about that a lot because the reading
0: itself becomes a, a work of art
1: almost yeah and like you know, for instance, this movie has a lot about like Egypt and we started talking about Egyptomania, um, and like cannibalism of mummies in Victoria in the Victorian times, which is uh. bonkers. But like is that supposed to be like is that part of the movie reading by the director? Probably not, but like who mm-hmm. cares? Right. You know, and then it's interesting. But like you're not just doing the whole like this is a cheesy, schlocky movie.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You
1: know? Um and like I'm watching it to make fun of it.
0: Totally. So
1: yeah, I don't know. I was thinking I just have been thinking about that a lot. Like when like how how do we um I guess stop ourselves sometimes from being the like irony poisoned Twitter people that we are yeah
0: yeah totally well so my you know the way my brain works is immediately to think of uh contradictions uh, you know Mm -hmm. exceptions to the rule and and is there a does she address the way that reparative readings could like almost could could like overlap with like Separating the art from the artist arguments about mm-hmm. you know monstrous men basically. You, oh, you know, I think does so. This then yeah, give you license to watch all the Woody Allen movies without without thinking about their context or something no.
1: Like I think that? you have to think about because I that's that was one of the other contexts I was thinking about was like people doing like feminist readings of Rosemary's Baby, you mm-hmm. know things like that where it's like you have to acknowledge like who made the movie and like Mm -hmm. we do this with Buffy you know Joss Whedon was like you know number one feminist man who Mm -hmm. like you Mm -hmm. know turned out to be a giant asshole and it's like you know we talk about how much Joss sucks but also how much Buffy has been like important to us and how Buffy has been important to so many people and like People are pretty good at separating Buffy from Joss at this point. Yeah. Um, I think it's funny. It's so weird how like, yeah, like Woody Allen don't want to watch those movies anymore. Maybe he puts himself in them too much, like Mm, literally mm -hmm, and then sometimes mm -hmm. and then later figuratively, but like Mm -hmm. it's easier to do with certain people than others.
0: Totally. I mean, I think that's why it's especially difficult with comedy, whether stand-up or a TV show or a movie, because, you know, at least in American stand-up-rooted comedy, we've been taught that the comedy is you. Like, you are mining yourself for the thing. So if then it is you as a person who is – revealed to have been dishonest with us in this way you know then then it's all tainted because it's all just you you know there's not like there's a very real way in which buffy is the product of the hundreds of people oh totally who worked yeah. on the show more than just joss whedon yeah yeah yeah
1: but yeah if you're standing on stage by yourself
0: right it's hard to be like I like the Bill Cosby jokes where (laughs) I can't, I I guess I like the albums, but I feed them through an AI algorithm where they're read by Maria Bamford or something. (laughs) The least problematic, you know, I don't know. That would be
1: very, there's something about that that might be really funny. I don't know. Oh,
0: no. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, sure. It definitely sounds like a grad school project, but maybe more of the irony poison type. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, and it's you know obviously it's harder when someone's still alive.
0: Sure. Um Just die already.
1: Yeah, just so die, can- and then it will be okay, <laughs> and then we can yeah, be yeah. like, well, he's dead. You know, when people are like, well, we should <laughs> right. cancel Bill Cosby. I, he's been canceled officially. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By yeah, death. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. Life yeah.
0: canceled him. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: My last big question for you comes from a previous one-man show where I it was set in the afterlife. And and a a premise of this afterlife is that everyone gets to choose one memory to relive whenever they want, however many times they want. And if you did have to choose to relive one memory – uh, it, like a door that you can like a room that you can go into and out of whenever you want that sort of situation Your the rest of your memories aren't wiped you just get to like fully drop down into and re-experience this memory if you had to do that and just pick one what memory would you choose
1: oh geez okay so my most uncomplicated happy memories are always outside
0: <laughs> okay um is there, is there a reason you go to uncomplicated and happy to start?
1: I think just, like, that would be the nicest thing to okay. relive over and yeah. over again. Um, I'm trying to think of... So, like, I am happiest and, l- yeah, the l- least encumbered, I guess, when I'm, like, taking a hike somewhere very nice. And... Um, often it's a me- i would say meadows are the best place mm. for me. I love a good meadow um and i I can't even think of my f- uh okay, so my favorite one that i i just like it was just the best I was just having a great day. It was two years ago. Uh, the week before Thanksgiving, I was on a hike with my mom and we were on a trail. Um, She lives in like the Shenandoah Valley in Virginia. Okay. And we were on this like trail. There was no one else. Um, The, it, you know, it was like autumn, but sunny, that kind of weather where you're just like, this is the most perfect thing on earth. Like it's not too hot. It's not too cold. Um, The sun comes out and it feels wonderful. And the grasses were all like really high and like, you know, beautiful, like autumnal, flamey colors. Mm. And there's all these like wonderful, weird, um, like, you know, when you look at like a meadow from far away, it kind of all looks the same. And then you get in there and you realize it's like, 40 different kinds of wild flowers and sure. grasses and um i was just looking at everything and i was also that that week i had s- just started like flirting with someone who i'm now like deeply deeply in love with so like that day both reminds me of like Being outside, being in the meadow, having a wonderful time, but then also like taking pictures of the meadow to show to him. Okay. And like, just looking like really closely at everything and just like, yeah, just being really happy.
0: Yeah. Does your mom's presence enhance the memory or is it more just like a side part of it?
1: I think it enhances it. Yeah. I mean, I'm very close to my mom and we we both like being outside and I think we both have very similar um, like uh, super observational explorative sides, you know, where we're always happy to like take the side quest on a hike or mm. like take a moment to like walk down to something and, like, look on the ground. Like, I love looking for mushrooms and stuff like that. So okay, I'm always, right. and, like, unearthing, you know, like, I'm super happy if I find a frog on a hike. That's, like, a mm. like a number one um, spot on a hike. You know, like, oh, yeah. there's a toad under a leaf. This is the best day ever.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I also like that you're incorporating this, these moments of, you know, taking pictures and being on your phone Mm -hmm. would normally be painted as a distraction or a detraction from the experience. Yeah, But I love that that is like part of it too. It sounds like there was a balance of you weren't like buried in your phone, but it connected you to these other feelings. Yeah, is nature as good? I mean, probably. But (laughs) is it as good if you can't share it with other people like even if it's just talking about it later
1: it's so hard i want to show it's like when i see a cool place i really want to show it to somebody right you know like i i feel like it's okay if i don't have good photos of it uh, th- one of the things that i i got into during the pandemic was bird watching
0: Amazing. and like
1: i don't have a good camera so i can't take a picture of a bird
0: sure sure
1: you know, like you really can't take pictures of birds unless you have like an amazing camera. Right. So sharing bird sightings with people is just kind of like, holy crap, I saw this crazy warbler. <laughs> you know, yeah. but you can't show them a picture of it because you don't have any. Yeah. But yeah, you're right. Like you do really want to tell people about like the crazy, amazing thing you
0: saw. Right, because if that impulse wasn't there, there wouldn't be like whole bird watching societies. That's true. Like, it would just be a bunch of individual Yeah. Cause I, I feel guilty that I'm not more of a nature guy. Like I Yeah, I feel, whatever. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but <laughs> it sounds nice. I'm like, I would love to have my day made by a frog. Mm-hmm. That sounds that that sounds great. But why yeah. do I feel like it has to be some, yeah.
1: I mean, you can have your day made. Work. Yeah, you can have your day made by a cup of coffee too. I don't know.
0: True. Yeah. I know. You know. It's just. I know.
1: But yeah, I don't know. I was very resistant to nature for a very long time. I like, you know, I lived in Brooklyn and I like never left. Mm-hmm. And then, um, I felt like uh, again, like I'm a super anxious prone to depression type sure. human. And um nature is like real helpful. Yeah. And like now I now I'm just like oh man, when can I go outside again? You know, and I in, still live in Are a, you in the city? In I Philly? am. I'm in a city and I live in South Philly, which is like not known for its trees. Okay. I mean, you know, I used to live on a street called Tree Street and we had no trees. <laughs> so like we do not do trees. Like old Italians in South Philly think trees are disgusting. Uh,
0: which is amazing.
1: Okay. <laughs> They're like dirt, gross. <laughs> right, right. So um, so where's
0: the nearest meadow to you?
1: Um, there are like meadows in the city. There are a few. Um okay. there's actually one in FDR Park, which is like a mile away from me, and there's a big meadow. Um okay. And like my, yeah, one of my partners calls me a meadow goth because I, like, I see a meadow and I go friggin nuts. (laughs)
0: Love it. Love it. (laughs) Just, yeah, what, like, is it just that you are interested in meadows or is there anything goth about your fascination with meadows?
1: I guess like, I mean, I guess the goth thing could be that like meadows are as beautiful in the fall and winter when they're dying Mm -hmm. as they are in the spring and summer when they're like in their full bloom. Because they're doing the next, you know, it's like the next part. It's all about life and death cycles, you know, like they are doing the thing that they need to do for the next season and like. Yeah, getting into birds and stuff like that, you start getting into migration periods Mm. and you learn about, like, why certain birds leave and why they stay. And I don't know, like, maybe that I think that has helped me also, like, yeah, just like think about nature and life cycles a lot more.
0: Yeah, I think you did it. I think I think the birds getting you into migration patterns social elements the meadows being it reminds me of like braiding sweetgrass a little bit oh yeah i love that. that book
1: i love that book I don't, and I, I just read
0: the whole thing but they yeah. of the parts of that yeah
1: she has a new book about moss that oh, is really, really good too yeah <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> that sounds cool okay and I like
1: moss, that. yeah, like moss and lichen and all that stuff. That's like getting Oh, into moss. Okay,
0: I thought you were saying M-O-T-H-S.
1: Oh, no, I like moths too, but she has a sure. book about moss.
0: <laughs> okay, I can fuck with yeah. moss. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I feel good. Is there other <laughs> stuff that you wanted to get into that you were like, I had this on the, at the top of my... The tip of my tongue, and and we didn't we didn't touch upon it. It sounds like you did. I don't think so. Mentally prepare yourself. I
1: did mentally prepare. Yeah, I like to be prepared. I don't like to be. Sure. I don't uh, the off the off the cuff too much. Um, um like freaks me out. I like because I'm like a nerd. I like research and stuff. So yeah, I give myself. So what homework. was your
0: mental preparation?
1: Oh, this? I just like listened to episodes and thought about like, yeah, what would I how do I feel about that? What would I do?
0: Okay. Any feedback? I'm, I'm open to. <laughs>
1: no, I love, I, I think it's so interesting. Like, I love hearing what everyone has to say about like their own ideas of hell. Cause they're so, it's like, it's all very, ban- a lot of it is so banal, which I really yes. enjoy. Um, yeah. like no yeah. one's like fire and brimstone.
0: Almost no one. Yep.
1: Yeah. Um, because at least that's just, interesting. Yeah, like, I think that might be cool. I don't know. <laughs> right, um, right. And, like, that doesn't, you know, for anybody who grew up religious, who isn't religious anymore, you're like, it can't be that.
0: Right, like, right, right, right. That's, that's the one thing easy. that's definitely off the list. Right, exactly.
1: Right. Yeah. Um. And it's like, I, f- I feel like, also, if you are, like, living through these crazy constantly chaotic times like finality mm-hmm. is even is more scary i don't know right, just like right right you right. know yeah. like having to answer emails all day is hell i don't know mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we're back to work we made, <laughs> we made oh it. god <laughs> yeah see this
1: is like maybe i'm just i just don't think any i feel like people should just work maybe like 15 hours a week Mhm mhm in some sort of like communal garden or I don't know like
0: uh well it's funny you say that
1: making <laughs>
0: totally because yeah. the the book that got me into horror there are a couple of mm-hmm. links in this chain ooh is yeah. and and it also links to Joe Isaacson who I know you
1: Oh yeah uh, I love know, Joe Isaacson
0: is it was a book on Common Notions Press mm-hmm. uh, called "Everything for Everyone." Yeah, uh, did you read it?
1: I have that book. Yeah,
0: it's so good. And they talk about their like their two hours and their three hours, which mm-hmm. are their jobs where like for two or three days a week they work two or three
1: yeah. hours. Fantastic. Um,
0: yeah, I interviewed both those both those authors and that book because it gave me such a craving for apocalyptic stuff Mm -hmm. for whatever reason the first place i went was the purge movies and like and ended up like loving a lot of them and so weirdly this like very uh you know utopian literary sci-fi communist oral history got me to fucking uh slumber party massacre yeah, very quickly that makes sense know? yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's the show thanks for listening check out kate's artwork at kate terry.com her podcasts tender subject and fangs for the memories her twitter bio which is linked to her account i meant to say her twitter account All of that you can find in the show notes. Go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr for more This Is Your Afterlife. And until next week, remember, you are a mist. You can do miracles, miracles.
1: You can do them. Have faith. You are human.
0: And human beings, they do miracles.